Dude, you could have a funny TikTok TikTok uh, video section. Little segment. What are you even talking about? For the guests show off their... I don't know. I'm just trying to think of podcasts I've listened to, segments they've had. I haven't listened have- to this one before, so I don't know what the vibe is on that was like goofy or... You did. You told me you listened to one. I know. I'm lying. Oh. Okay. Can you, uh, can you uh, start us off with a TikTok? Yeah. No, like verbally? Oh. Um... There's no, there's no, there's no visual. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, the, the sound effect, uh, just preface before, okay. Sound effect to preface before the video. And don't pound the table. Oh no. Don't. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Or that one. Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll do it. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. Now, now painting the scene, a guy is standing with a chainsaw on a pole and he's chainsawing down a tree. He's chainsawing the, the side of the tree that's opposite away from him and it cuts, but it swings knocks him about 10 feet off the ladder what? pretty comical mm. saw I it yesterday really understand i didn't pay enough good enough visual no Dang. i'm not gonna try it again okay okay and that's you our cold open know. all right okay. sweet welcome to saved a podcast where we capture conversations over coffee i am Corey, and my co-host today is not amia it is um amia's Brother, yeah, that's it. Yeah, not father. Uh, Corbin Mullet, um, and so you're say hi. Yeah, no, I'm I'm Corbin Mullet. Uh, Calvin Muller, my bad. Oh, um, my bad too. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm might may or may not be Amia's brother. We'll find out uh, once we ask her. Frankly, we are still joined with Amia Muller, of course. Um, so last week we went over my testimony, and I got to talk a little bit about me. Now we wanted to flip it around and talk about Amia, and uh, well, more so have Amia talk about herself, uh, because the world has been asking. We've got people in Czech Republic, we've got people <laughs> in Germany, we have people in countries that I don't even know the names of. I was just checking France. this morning. Actually, just for the sake, um, I do want to check what countries are listening to give them a shout out, you know. Yeah, 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 I want course. them to feel important. I don't know why I went there. We'd really love and appreciate Every single one of you. That sounded sarcastic, but actually I genuinely mean that. She does mean that. Do you think VPNs count? Like if I set my VPN somewhere crazy? It's also what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. Um, please don't say that. Well, Corey this, this told me that's genuine. not true one time I said that, so. All right. Shout out to countries. We have um, Honduras. That's cat. There's no way. <laughs> um, United States. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Germany. Um, Canada, Australia, Belgium. We actually have two from Czech. How many listeners do we got? Um, we. I'm in it now. There's been 708 starts. Whatever nice. that means. Nice. I Mark. wonder how many people that is. Um, like, yeah. is that just one person? No, they, uh, like unique starts. Yeah. I mean, a good job on the marketing, social media. Thanks. Thanks. Spreading the word. Um, so, Calvin, uh, you have a starting question for me. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was told I, I was going to be coming on to co-host, so mm-hmm. I prepared some notes. I didn't want to show up unprepared. Um, like Corey and I often do. Right, right. So just a first preface. Um, I just want to read my notes verbatim. Um, sister? Y- yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. So that's confirmed. <laughs> she, there, there was some mystery surrounding that. But yeah, Amia is my sister. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. How many siblings do you have? And can you do their first, middle, and last name? So Theodore Jackson Muller, Calvin James Muller, Amia Marie Muller, Miles Moses Emmanuel Muller, Desmond Judah Muller. Now, some would think, as I do myself, that uh, Miles is special um, and because he has two middle names. Um, is he the favorite of the family? Um, my parents thought that they were not going to have another kid mm. after him, and they couldn't decide which name they liked better, so they gave him both. Turns out, Desmond. Turns out, Desmond. <laughs> what a, what a, what Turns out, they had another kid named mm-hmm. Desmond. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll write that. Um, who's your favorite? My favorite brother. That, I mean, I could see that. That's not a surprise to me. I mean, I'm in the room, so makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um so amia we know a little bit about you um but we don't know everything about you first wish you a happy belated yeah birthday thank so birthday, you one, one day late birthday yeah. a week and a day ago or a week ago a week ago oh per release yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. true um and you are now Thirteen. How old? Yeah. Thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 13. Plus seven. Okay, so you're twenty years old mm-hmm. now. You're finally not a teenager. Yeah, I'm kind of sad about that, to be honest. It had a lot of shock value telling people that I'm nineteen. They were like, "What?" How does like your birthday feel now? Now that you're like, when you're a kid, your birthday is really exciting. How does it feel now? As like, because it's like twenty-one is the fun birthday. It's mm-hmm. so, like the in-between years. Like, did it feel? Was there any change? I don't know. When I was eighteen. That was, you know, different because I was an adult. And now here I am just like, just the same, Hmm. but different. Any wiser? Probably. I feel like they are like pivotal growing ages when you are in these years of your life as opposed to like 31 to 32, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It seems like more important things happen. All right, so I've got, I've got a question on that then. Mm-hmm. In the last year, from 19 to 20, what do you think was the biggest change in, in your life? Is there anything, anything notable there? Probably. Um, I feel like so much happens in a year. Um, I'm, like, so bad at answering questions. I should have thought about this a little bit more before I came here. Um, I mean, in general, I feel like... I have more roommates than I did when I first turned 19 because mm. Madison moved in and Sam moved in and Hannah moved in. So that's cool and that's fun and it's been like, well, obviously Hannah and Sam moved in like literally a week ago. But just in general, I feel like my house dynamic has changed a lot in the past year, which has been cool to explore that with them and like create those deeper relationships and do ministry with them. I don't know. That doesn't really answer your question. But well, it kind of does like so. One of the most pivotal and like major things that happened the past year was that you got to build closer relationships yeah. with people yeah. that you probably wouldn't have if yeah. they didn't move in. And I feel like we had more like real things that we were dealing with in the past year than like the first year that I lived in the ministry apartments, which that's always fun and character mm. building, you know? Yeah. So being um, a super middle child. Um, mm-hmm. how was that like growing up 
um, with being the only girl part of your family, of course, besides your mom? Um, people ask me this all the time and I feel like it, like it just kind of is the way that it is. Like that's just my life, which is a terrible answer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I really enjoyed being the only girl because I was special and it was cool. And I felt like I was better than everyone else mm -hmm. because I wasn't a stupid, silly little girl. However, that did also have some consequences that I thought that I was not a stupid, silly little girl because I thought that it was dumb to like girly things. I thought it was dumb to have emotions. I thought it was dumb to express any part of being a girl at all. So that has been fun to work through that and mm -hmm. like figure out that that's not stupid, but also it's been cool to have like a lot of good male examples in my life and yeah. have a lot of people that can like give me logical answers and help me like not be crazy, which mm -hmm. is cool. So Calvin was, um, how was it growing up with Amia? Um, it was crazy. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> like sugarcoat that. She, she, she's a, uh, I think if anyone has lived with her, uh, at that, you know, I think anyone in the family would answer the same way. Yeah. I think it's, it's, a uh, like growing up. Yeah. Just like this crazy bundle of emotions. Mm. But I think there's, there's something here of what she's saying of like growing up with all these boys. She like hates girly things, hates emotions. And, I think since her moving out and now living with a bunch of girls, it's been very cool to see that she's not actually just crazy. <laughs> she just <laughs> learned how to repress her emotions from the best of the best yeah. us dudes. Yep. Yeah. Um, Amen. So I got to say, it's been pretty cool to see her not be crazy and be able to handle emotions in a cool and healthy way mm. um, and learning that via living with people who actually know what emotions are, <laughs> unlike uh, a bunch of dudes. Yeah, it's true. So did you, were you kind of like the second mom to all your brothers? Uh, probably. I mean, I, I tend to feel that way about most people. Mm. So, <laughs> you know. So where did that come from? My thinking I'm better than other people. Um, I think that that's in general, like a family sin that us mothers have is just like in, I mean, everyone is prideful. That's like just kind of the basis yeah. of sin, obviously. But I think we tend to have an extra level of like self-righteousness. Um, I don't know. I think it, it is definitely one of like the bigger areas of sin that I struggle with. And so considering that that was also like, we have this motto of like the mother continued excellence. Mm. That's what it's called, right? I don't yeah. know. Something I, like that. Is. I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, we're always just like trying to be the best that we can ever be. And that's even like within our family, we really try hard to do that, which is like... So a lot of competing? Yeah. Well, not so much competing, more like, I guess it's like silent competition. No, we're not like that really aggressive, competitive kind of family, but we love to correct people. Um, it's like our favorite thing to do. So a lot of people dislike us strongly for that. Um, or we dislike each other strongly mm -hmm. for that. But I think that that like cycle of correcting each other to show that like one, I know better than you. And also you're dumb is like a thing that we tend to struggle with. And so it's just kind of like baked into me, I guess. Mm. So I'm blaming it all on them. Essentially. I have no <laughs> fault in this. You can say from dad. It's okay. Perhaps is from my paternal lineage. Yeah. I mean, I would say I would classify the molars, um, especially the ones I'm close to, which would be Theo. Well, you guys and Theo, um, are incredibly smart, uh, beautiful minds, um, and good movie. It is a great movie. Um, 
but also that comes with, uh, you know, some uh, people that you could really just uh, shame on, you know, and uh, it would be easy to think that you're better than people if you're smarter than them. And especially being a woman surrounded by men, I can see how that would, uh, you know. Yeah, like you have to try extra to be better than them, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah. So um, you grew up in the church, of course. Mm-hmm. And where were you born? I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Who was, was your whole family? Well, all the brothers? Um, no, I, no, that's not true. Miles was the last one born there and we moved when he was like two. So I was like turning five, I think, but I have like pretty vivid memories of living there just cause it was like really different mm-hmm. than it was in Hudson. And so, um, five years old where you, you'd go to like preschool or something, mm-hmm. kindergarten in Columbus. Yeah. I think I just did preschool there. And then. Coming up to Hudson was, did you like have a lot of friends that you made that you like don't talk to anymore or like not don't talk to anymore? Did you have a lot of friends in Columbus? Um, yeah, I, I did. I had like, I mean, my parents' best friends and like their kids, we like pretty much all grew up on the same street and they were part of the same uh, service ministry that we were doing there. And so I remember like leaving that was really hard because I was like, I wanted to get to experience all these things with them and they're doing it, but I'm over here and like, mm-hmm. I'm alone. So we like would visit each other frequently when I was younger, but it was nice to come into a church. And I remember like, I think we looked at a few different churches before we ended up coming to Freedom Fellowships, mm-hmm. but there's so many kids that were like relatively my age or my siblings age. So it's pretty easy to like find people here. Mm-hmm. And I was a really, really shy kid. So it was hard for me, but having people that I grew up with from the time that I was five was like made that much easier. Yeah. And so were you a part of the Columbus, uh, dwell? Yeah, we were until we moved my parents. My mom went there out of college and my dad started going there college-ish, I think. And your parents were leaders down there, correct? Calvin. Yeah. They're both deacons. Yes. And so coming up here, looking for another church, did you, were you unaware or do you guys know if you, your parents were unaware of our plan up here and up north? I think they knew, but I think they just wanted to see like, what else? Yeah, I don't know. What are you saying? I don't really know. I think they were like vaguely aware of it, Yeah, but they weren't uh, like for sure. They, they didn't know like how close it was to where we ended up moving. Mm-hmm. I think they knew there was, like, something up here. Yeah. No, it's 2001. 2007. Oh, wow. <laughs> unless, unless she's, like, <laughs> yeah. 30 years old or something. Yeah. Um, I think I, 2001 is when we came to Kent. When the, out of Bedford. Uh, yeah, Freedom Fellowships came to Kent. Yeah. Um, so 2007, and move up here, and so you start coming around to church here. Mm-hmm. Were you already um, – have you already received Christ at that point? Yeah, I actually received Christ – sometime between the age of zero and four, because I remember really vividly being in my dad's old Cadillac parked outside of our house. And I remember, I think it was like my dad and his friend, James Brown, I think, and Calvin and Theo, and we're in the car. And I was like, I want to have Jesus in my heart and I don't want to go to hell. How do I do that? And so then they told me, so then I prayed to receive Christ. And then like the classic Christian kid, I prayed that like, a thousand times after yeah. the fact, because I was like, was that real? But I really do think, like, 
I remember that so distinctly. And I really did like, I wanted to know Mm -hmm. God, even though it was a lot of it was out of like this childlike fear. But I, I mean, I think that's when I received Christ and here I am now. So this is a question. I don't even know if I know the answer to. Mm -hmm. So I think with a lot of Christian kids, myself included, there is like that, like first, just like childlike, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. God seems cool. Like, yeah. Let me let me have that relationship with them, which I think is legit. But then I think there's also that like second decision mm-hmm. of like once you mature and once you can like really think for yourself of like this is what I want to live for. Mm-hmm. Where did that moment come for you? I think that I've heard a lot of Christian kids stories where it's like there's a very clear like at this time and at this point this is when I made my second decision. And I think for me, considering I never really had any like super crazy, really hard rebellion. I was kind of just always like, this is the thing that I want to do. But there was definitely like distinct moments that I was like, I trust God and I see that he has worked in my life and I I want to do this. And I think that just like kept building off of each other, but there wasn't a super distinct like, oh, this is real now kind of thing, you know? Have you ever, uh, I I was thinking about the like same kind of question um, along the lines of, uh, receiving Christ at such a young age, you, yeah, you know, like about Jesus and you mm-hmm. know that he loves you, but being five years old around there, it's extremely hard to grasp the gospel in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And not that we need to know the entirety. We just need to know much of a faith of a mustard seed. Yeah. Says. So, um, but being that young, playing devil's advocate here, do you think that was you receiving Christ or did you think when you later on realized and understood the gospel more, you received Christ later. I've thought about that before. And I think it, I genuinely did receive Christ then. And Mm. I think that like you're saying, as you get older, like your faith grows and it changes and you're never going to really fully understand grace. So it's Mm. kind of just like a snowball effect of understanding grace. And like the Bible very clearly honors a childlike faith, which is pretty much exactly what that was. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe if I then went on three years later to be like, fuck this, I hate God, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I never actually did receive Christ. Yeah. I don't know. But I remember it being like, I want Jesus in my heart. <laughs> Are you saying that because I said the F word? Yeah, Calvin freaked oh. out. I didn't know if this was it's a It's an explicit podcast. Right, it man. is. It is. Caught me off guard. Yeah. I think I was saved. At that age, that's what I have to say. Yeah. The reason yeah. I ask that is because yeah. I know there's discrepancy with um, uh, some Christians believe that uh, bat- being baptized as a literal infant yeah. um, wouldn't necessarily count towards like the the decision to mm-hmm. receive Christ because that wasn't a child's decision yeah. as the parents. And so, though, I don't know, there is a lot of like gray area that's like yeah. explicitly yeah. talked about of like if, uh, you know infant dies or in the womb like you know will the baby go to heaven i believe so yeah um but just talking about of when does the how much information do you need to know like what's the bare minimum yeah and i mean i I believe that you receive christ when you're five i I think that's definitely possible because in the gospels when jesus saying all you need is the faith of a mustard seed that childlike faith Mm -hmm. just the littlest that you can like he picked up the littlest thing that he could possibly represent said this much is what i require yeah and um and i believe a five-year-old is definitely capable of giving that much faith i think i also knew like i like i i obviously did not and will not understand the full scope of my sin Mm. at all but i knew like i'm not 
I, I must be bad in some capacity because otherwise if I don't do this, I'm going to hell mm. and I don't want that. And it was like, no one told me like, Hey, you should receive Christ right now. No one was like, pray this prayer. I was just like, I want that. How do I have it? Mm. That's cool. Um, so you, uh, I'm assuming that you went to the, the youth groups in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, so fifth grade, that was, we saw JHQ, the yeah. Jesus headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talk about going to that and like kind of starting your faith and what that looked like for you. Yeah. I mean, that was like the most exciting time of my life because I had watched Theo and Calvin do that. And I was like, I literally can't wait. This is going to be so dope. And it was like a lot of fun. Like there was these cool older people that wanted to hang out with me and we did like weird things like eat tuna for points. (laughs) Um, And like, I made a lot of friends there and it was really cool. And it was definitely like very separate from my school life. And there are some people that I invited from school, but like most of my friends in the church, actually none of them went to Hudson. So I was kind of like the only one there. Mm. So it was fun to like go to this place and have all these other friends that Mm. weren't my school friends. And like I said, there's probably like two or three people that I brought out that were from my school, but that's probably it Yeah, at the time. So th- I know a lot of um, Christian kids growing up have a problem with separating uh, like worldly life versus this is like my church life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you struggle with that at all where you tried to live one life when you went to school and hang out with friends and then um, live another life? Not in like the traditional sense of living a double life. I think I... And, like, this is skipping a lot of things that we can come back to. But definitely, like, by the time I was in high school, I was like, I don't really need people. And I don't really need friends here because I have friends Mm. in my church. And so I'm going to, like, and this is a very, very flawed way to think about this, would not recommend. But I was like, I will make these friends and develop these relationships. So, one, my high school experience is easier. And also because then I can have have people to bring to Bible study. Um probably not great. And I could have done a lot more at those friendships. Mm -hmm. And there was like, some of those people were genuine, like, I enjoy hanging out with you. But it was like, I never really was open with those people. I was never really like, they were never like my friends that I had at church. I never treated them the same at all, pretty much. Hmm. So yeah, backing up so we can get to that. um, You were excited to go into the the JHQ, so it was like fifth to eighth grade or something like that. Fifth to fourth to fifth, I think. Then we had a uh, chill. Then chill in middle school. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, anything impactful and during those years in chill? Yeah, I think that <clears throat> that would be like in middle school was the one of the first like deciding to trust God times because. For whatever reason, like pretty much every other middle school girl, I had like really bad anxiety. And thinking back on it, it's just like feels so foreign to me. But at the time, it was like every waking moment was like awful. Like I was always shaking all the time. I was always really cold. I always had a stomach ache. I was always like constantly afraid of literally anything. Like I was on the track team and I. One, I'm kind of lazy, so I didn't really want to run anymore, but I was also like... On the field part of the track. Okay, but that's what I'm getting to, because I was so afraid of running and tripping and landing on my face that I decided I was not going to run, even though I definitely could have been a good runner, because that's just how I'm built. Mm -hmm. I decided I'd be a thrower, 
as like a 90 pound middle school girl who has pretty much no muscle. So I did shot, which honestly was a lot of fun. But the point of that is that I was like pretty much wanted to avoid any fear causing things at all. So I also quit choir, which I had been doing for like five years at that point because I didn't want to stand up in front of people because that was scary. I would run away from every scary thing possible because I was just like so deeply afraid of failure. Mm. And that was something that I didn't really notice. I just was like, I'm scared and I have anxiety and I feel weird inside of my body all the time. And I don't know what's happening. And then I remember Laura Hudak was discipling me at the time. And she was like, Hey, did you ever consider that maybe you don't trust God? And I was Mm. like, no way. That's crazy. Like me not trusting God. That's wild. But then well, I remember also at the same time I was kind of starting to understand that. And I was like, yep, there's a problem and I want a solution. And I'm praying to God every day that he will take this away and he's not. And I don't understand. And I just kept fighting with him about wanting to have like an answer. And I wanted to have a formula because I'm like, I tend to be a type A person. So I wanted like a A plus B equals C kind of solution yeah. to my problem, which is pretty much never how it works, unfortunately. But then I believe this was like the summer going into my eighth grade year that uh, I went to blowout camp, which is like a church camp that we did with uh, Dwell mm-hmm. at the time. And we were going over Philippians and at blowout camp, you have to memorize all of these verses. And so one of them was Philippians 4, 6, which says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Mm-hmm. Then seven says, then the peace of God, of God the, will... The, the peace of God that like surpasses all Yeah, surpasses all understanding. It guards well, your heart and mind. Yeah. Something like that. I don't remember. But I remember hearing that, and that was like crazy to me. I was like, what do you mean don't worry? Like literally my life is characterized by worrying. That's like all that I have going for me right now. And then at the same time, in my cell group, we were going over Philippians. And then also at CT, we were going over Philippians. And so I kept hearing that same thing over and over again. And we talk about Paul, who in the midst of like this crazy situation, being in jail and having like, all of these awful things happening to him. He was so joyful and he Mm. was not anxious and he was not worried. And I was like, I want that. How do I have that? And so I started to just think about that verse more and more. And I was like, you know what, Lord, this is a formula because Mm. you tell me, don't worry, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Like that's, that's pretty much as black and white and as formulaic as the Bible is going to get. And so I started to just like pray that exact thing out every time that I felt anxious and I would be like, Hey, it's me again, feeling anxious, but let me just like tell you the exact way that I feel right now. And let me tell you like where, cause I would always have like stomach aches because I was anxious. So I would talk about that. And then I would tell him like, here's three things that I'm thankful for, et cetera. Like I would move on throughout my prayer like that. Yeah. And it was just genuinely life changing because within like my seventh and eighth grade year, pretty much anxiety went away. And I have not ever felt like that since I've not ever had anxiety again for that long of a period of time. Like, and I am so grateful for that because I know that that is a lifelong struggle for a lot of people, but the Lord just is so, he was so, so gracious in the fact that he took that away from me. Mm. And he showed me that he is somebody that is trustworthy and he's someone that I wanted to give my life. And that was like a very, very foundational thing for me. And a Mm. first like hard thing that I went through with him and saw that he gave me victory, which was really cool. Mm. So it like pretty quickly went from like, okay, God showed me how to 
manage this thing in a sense of like praying to him to like mm-hmm. it just wasn't there at all. It yeah. wasn't like you, you like continuously had to. Yeah, he was just like, okay, gone. And I don't. I, I mean, I still like my tendency is that I still am very afraid of failure. I still worry about a lot of things, but it's not in that same way that it is like taking over my whole life. Like that was crazy, and it has not been like that since. Do you think you are now? Uh, more equipped to help people who are anxious because obviously today like everybody's anxious and it's a very common thing so like do you feel like that has helped you be able to be a help to other people um theoretically okay you would think that i think that because it was so long ago i'm like i don't really like that was literally like i don't know nine years ago or something so it feels pretty distant to try and like connect that but I do think it's it does give me some understanding of like I've had that experience before and I know what that feels like but it's also like you can't just tell someone like hey stop being anxious like I literally don't know what happened yeah. the Lord just like yeah. blessed me hey, so read much this Bible verse and you'll yeah be yeah exactly and I think I have like throughout the years I've been able to tell people about that and I think I mean encouraging people to be grateful is always like I mean that's pretty much is the Bible solution so I think there are some helpful things I learned that I could share with people, but I also just kind of forget a lot of the times. Do you feel like your anxiety and the fear of failure was um, as a result of like you focusing on your image? Yeah. So you want to be viewed by people as like someone who doesn't struggle. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like lifelong story of Mia is that I care really a lot about what people think about me. So I guess I left this part out, but at the time it was like, and this is so lame of me to think back about, but I just cared so much about my grades, like ungodly amount. I had straight A's, straight A pluses actually, which was only a thing in middle school. Mm. But like, why the fuck did I care that I had straight A pluses in middle school? That literally, literally does nothing for you. That does not continue over into high school. No one's looking at my middle school GPA. Like it was so fucking dumb, but I was obsessed with that because that was like my identity at the time that I was this smart, hardworking person and I could get it done. And then I think that was cool because going into high school, I was not obsessed with that anymore. And a lot of people in high school are. And I was just able to be like, you know what? I don't really care because Mm. that's not why I'm here at the end of the day. Did you? So after you basically repented on your identity issues Mm -hmm. and like your fear of failure and giving it up to the Lord, um, did you experience more failure in your life? Yeah. Unfortunately, I and, did. Uh, so what was that failure? Like, what are some big ones that you experienced? And um, what, how did that feel going through that? Yeah, that's so funny because the Lord was like, I'm going to give you a lot of that because then you'll just have to get over yourself. Because I went into high school and, you know, still thought I was better than everyone, which is really cool of <laughs> me to do. Um, and I kind of just like coasted like my first two-ish years of high school and high school ministry. I was just like, I'm kind of here and I'm doing this thing and whatever. And then at some point I started teaching and I started like taking on more of a leadership-esque role, especially because at the time our high school group had split from, it used to be like, well, I don't even remember. There's so many things that happened in such a short period of time. But I think there was Beta, which was like the Cuyahoga Falls Akron group. Which Hudson was going to for a while. Yeah, that was, like, a couple years before my time, though, because it was, like, beta was still a thing, but it was just one beta instead of two, which it used to be. And then it was Word, 
which was Stowe, and it was Hudson for literally the first two words that I went to. Mm. We were combined. And then they were like, you know what, Hudson? Hudson should have its own Bible study. And side note, I was pissed about that because I was like, I've always wanted to go to Word. This Mm. seems like so much fun. All my friends are here. I was so angry Mm -hmm. because then it was like me and Calvin and like five dudes. Yeah. And then like this one girl. And I was like, this fucking sucks. Who was the girl? Uh, you wouldn't know her. Well, no, you wouldn't no, know her because is... you were literally there. Yeah. Um, actually, there was two, now that you say that. It was this girl, Ellie, who was blonde, and Lizzie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then like a million guys, and they would ju- we just sit in my basement in silence, and it was like so painful. But it was also a teaching moment, probably. I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't that important because then eventually at some point, we combined back again with the Calgary Falls group, with the Stowe group, like every other surrounding yeah. school, we just became one. And that is when I started teaching, leading, et cetera. And people really, well, no, my pride is my fault, I guess. But they, they would always say like, oh, Amia, you're so knowledgeable. You're so this, you're so, and I was like, wow, I literally just am awesome. Like I'm great. <laughs> and um, amidst that being awesome and teaching and leading, I just was on like, a steep downward movement of not caring about people pretty much at all. Mm. And so my priority became once again, really like living up to that expectation of this very intelligent, powerful person. And so my relationships were just sliding and I didn't care to actually outreach to people. I didn't care to share the gospel with people. I only would if it was like to get people off my back essentially. And the relationships that I already had, there was like one friend in particular that was coming around and she like was my person. Mm. And I just like pretty much didn't care about her at all. And I just hung out with her to like check the box. I didn't want to dig into her life at all. And she pointed that out to me many a times. And I was like, no, you don't get it. Like I am loving you, but it turns out I was not because I surely did not have compassion on her. And I just treated her like an obligation. And I did that with many of my other friends too. And so I'm, I think it was my junior year. Maybe it was my sophomore year. I don't know. But Jordan Jark sat me down at Labor Day camping and she was like, Hey, so you pretty much don't care about your friends and you only care about teaching and looking like this good Christian girl. And I was like, you're crazy. That's, that would never be me. Mm-hmm. And then we continued to have that same conversation for like, I don't know. It was a very long time, like probably like five months or something like mm-hmm. that. And then she was like, okay, so we've been talking about this for a long time and I know the Lord is showing this to you and are you going to turn around and love people? Are you going to listen to the Lord? And I said, no. And then she was like, okay, well, I'm not going to disciple you anymore if you are actively telling me that you don't want to follow God. So you said no. It wasn't yeah. like a dance around. Yeah. And I don't okay. remember the exact question that she asked me, but it was something like that where it was like, are you going to listen? Are you going to like put down your pride and turn back to God? And I was like, no. I got it. I don't really like, I mean, looking back, I'm like, why did I do that? That was so dumb, but it was really good for me because I just didn't in any world at all expect her to kick me out of discipleship. Mm. I was like, I can follow God and still be discipled and I can still teach and I can still lead. Mm. That's dumb. That's Mm. stupid. It doesn't work out. And so I remember like, that was the worst, worst day of my life. At that point, I was like, everything I have built up is crumbling down. And if anyone finds out about this, it's over for me. Like, this is so bad. So I remember, like, I just was like, okay, I'm fine. And I, like, 
really felt like I was going to cry, but I just sucked it into my face. And I was like, I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> and I just sat in my room in silence for so, so long. And I'm sure like Jordan had been talking to people about this. So yeah. like, obviously people knew, I knew that my brothers knew, my parents probably knew, but I just sat in my room for so long. I was like, I'm not telling anyone. And then eventually I called Theo and I was like, you will not believe what just happened. And then I was just like, literally on the ground on my knees sobbing like sobbing so hard because I was like I don't understand what's happening which was dumb because Jordan had been telling me for five months <laughs> um and then Theo just kept screaming at me he was like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and he like for five minutes straight he just screamed that at me and it did not it just like didn't hit me and I just mm-hmm. didn't hear him and I was like no I'm I'm a bad person and I really messed up and I don't care about anyone. But at the same time, I was like, but what's the next step that I can take to get out of this and Mm. not tell anybody and still look really good. And so that's what I did for a long time after. And I really thought that I was like on the right path, but then she still just kept being like, no, like you still don't love people. People are still telling you this. Your relationships are still falling apart and you only are doing this so you can get back into discipleship. Mm. And I also remember like a week after that or something, for whatever reason, I was like, it's okay because I'll still be teaching. And then she was like, no. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to know. They're going to see. And it was like, just felt like so degrading and so awful for people to like, and probably no one really thought that deeply about it. But I was like, my sin is just like on display for everyone to Mm. see. Like, this is a very obvious thing that has happened. And it was awful. And then eventually the Romans 8, one verse clicked. And I was like, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I suck and Mm. I'm a really bad friend and I don't love people, but I don't need to then like do all these things to get back into God's graces. I just literally have to come back to him and Mm. I just have to repent and I have to turn back and then ask him to show me how to love my friends the way that he wants me to. Mm. And that was crazy. And it was like, I, I mean, that's something I think I have to come back to him about all the time, but he showed me I can have successful relationships with people and I can love people and not just only care about myself. Mm. And like for the first time in so long, I was like, I don't care about being in discipleship. I don't care about teaching. I don't care about leading. I just want to have successful relationships with people and I want to listen to the Lord. Mm. And that was crazy and really good for me. And then of course, like I did get back into discipleship eventually. I remember like at the New Year's Eve party, Jordan came up to me and she's like, hey, you want to start dating again? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, which is just like, it's also crazy to me because not that long after I started teaching again and I started leading again and I'm doing that in my home church now. And it's just like, I genuinely don't get that because I'm like, God, don't you know? that I'm the person that uses that to fuel my purpose and my identity. Don't you know that I use that in a really selfish way, Mm. but he does know that. And he still gave me that, which is sweet because I really enjoy teaching and I really enjoy being in that. Like, I just, I don't know. It's crazy to me that he knows that about me and he still wanted to love me in that way. And he's a generous God, which is crazy. Yeah. And so you experience some real gratitude there Mm -hmm. probably for, um, I won't say the first time in your life, but you got to understand like some true deep gratitude where it's like God's perfect plan uses imperfect people mm-hmm. like me and I am undeserving of this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a true, like really source of gratitude that you have there. It seems like from 
from when you received Christ up until basically high school, he was building you up and then just slowly trying to teach you, slowly trying to humble you, really. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're, you're really smart. You're gifted. You have a lot of beautiful things, um, but you are trapped in your image. Yeah. And I'm trying to break you out of that because you're an image of me, not an image of you. And like being an image of, of Christ is uh, much more valuable than just being a Mia Muller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, True. And so it seems like he really taught you that and yeah. took a long time, but um, praise God that you um, were receptive eventually to uh, the spirit on your heart and uh, wanting to repent of that. It's also a pretty beautiful spot to be at where you arrived at the point of like, I don't care about these outside things about teaching yeah. about discipling, but it's like what I care about is like, am I good with the creator of the universe? Yeah. And it's like, like Corey's saying, like once that gets chipped away and you mm-hmm. arrive at that point, like, am I good with him? Then it's like, he's done his work of, yeah. of breaking you. And then he's like, all right, now it's like my time to shine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you, you can start uh, teaching again and discipling, but all of that shine, now you know where it's coming from. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that, that is cool. Is of like, I, you were blown away that, you're able to teach again. Like, mm-hmm. Lord, like, you you realize this is, like, yeah, uh, pretty messed up. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I like this attention, <laughs> yeah. Lord. I want people to pay attention to me. And he's like, I knew that from day one. Yeah. What are you talking about? He's like, I'm the one doing the work here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bet your teachings are ten times better than they were. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, because you're able to see where the power comes from. And you're able to get up there and... Yeah. You know, probably with some, like, Lord, please humble me. Don't let this go to my head. Like, yeah. I have to pray that all the time, too, when I teach. But yeah. um, you able to recognize that. So going up into into college now, you've been in college for, what, three, two years, two years now? Two, yeah. What's uh, What are you going for? Uh, my major is called Integrated Social Studies, which is the very complicated way of saying that I want to be a history teacher for high schoolers. Cool. What are yeah. you going to... Switch your major to economics. <laughs> <laughs> Probably literally never. Okay. That's what um, also part of the Muller continued excellence is like having the same exact major mm. as everyone else. But uh, how long have you wanted to be a teacher? Um, Long time. I used to like, there was moments that I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer or I'm going to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> And, or like, no, the other one was like a writer or something, which pretty much all those things kind of encompass around the same idea is like, I just really wanted to learn a lot. And I was like, if I teach, I can learn forever. And then I can also become friends with all these people. And I have so many opportunities to share the gospel with people. And that sounds pretty cool to me. Hmm. How have you seen the Lord keep on tackling this issue of uh, pride and your image in the past year? I think that he has shown me how really incapable I am of solving any issue, of fixing any person or anything remotely along those lines because, like, I... There's just been a lot of crazy things that have happened in my house since the time that I have lived there. And every single one of them, I was just like, I literally do not know what's happening. I don't know how to help this person. I just, like... I'm so at a loss for understanding of what to do, which sucks because mm. I want to be the one to tell people 
how to solve their problems. And I want to be the one that can help. I want to be the hero. It's like my whole entire complex. Mm. Um, but then learning to have to ask other people, like Katie Bayless has been really very great for that because she's definitely like the number one person that I'm like, yo, I need to call you because I do not know what's happening Mm -hmm. and I need assistance right now. And that's been cool to have to rely on other people like that. And also, I mean, of course, just like when you live with however many other walking Christians, like your sin just gets brought up a lot more, especially because people care about you and they want to show you that stuff. So it's been like the same stuff of like, I'm still not really that good at having compassion on people. I like to solve people's problems. I don't know how to be sympathetic to people. Mm. Um, which I think some days I'm like, I will literally never understand this, but I also think that the Lord has shown me how to do that a lot in the Mm. time that I've lived there. And also this is crazy. I just remembered this, but, um, so I said like when I was a kid, I was really shy And I feel like that characterized the majority of my life is that I was like, people equal no, and I don't want to interact with people I don't know. I was very fearful. Mm. As I said, like one time my mom literally had to bribe me to say hi to my friend in the store because I did not want to. It was probably Mm -hmm. like when I was in high school. But somehow being in college ministry, the Lord has cultivated this love for people Mm. that I have, which I just think I didn't have before. Mm. And this desire to want to know people just like literally random people on the street i'm like i i want to know you and oftentimes i'll walk up to them and i'll just start talking to them because like i want to know them and i want to understand them and i of course also want them to know the lord and that's been crazy too and the lord has i don't i literally don't understand what he actually is doing with that but he's definitely done a lot of work in that area of just me being like a sociable person which is obviously really helpful for trying to make friends and show people the love of God. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard, uh, I know I was talking to people in, in my home church and they always bring up you as a good example of someone who like is great at evangelism and really has a heart for people. Yeah. That's and, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, I knew of you a little bit, especially in high school mm-hmm. and uh, seeing that transformation is, is very cool to see. Yeah. Um, so praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Yep. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. I was just, just like, you know, you had to be bribed to like say hi to your friend, yeah. and I feel like now like you would legitimately have to be bribed not to go talk to somebody you want to talk yeah. to. Yeah. And you probably wouldn't accept the bribe. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Like, like if you see yeah. someone at a coffee shop, you're like, wow, the person has a nice shirt. I want to talk to them. You wouldn't take ten dollars in that. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. Is pretty astonishing. Yeah. I literally like. I mean, the majority of my like school time. I had one friend, really, just the whole time, pretty much. Mm. And then I didn't have that friend anymore, and I was like, fuck, gotta outsource. (laughs) I need friends. Like, this isn't working. Like I said, I just treated my high school friends as, like, I don't need you. And then I realized that it's very not true, and I need people, and I need friends, and the Lord has, like, created people to help other people. Like, Mm. relationships are something he's obviously puts a heavy importance on. Um, So I think that is part of it too that i'm i'm just like i understand that people are important Mm. now have you learned to be grateful for how you were raised like yeah but also because i'm melancholy i tend to feel this is so dumb but i tend to feel pretty guilty about it 
Um, Specifically that you were... Raised in a Christian household, and I have good parents, and I have good brothers. Like, that's a dumb thing to... Mostly. Yeah, mostly. (laughs) Um, To feel guilty about, but I'm just like... Whatever. That's a thought that's in the back of my head, so I think that a lot of times stops me from being grateful for it, because I'm like feeling bad about it for some reason. Um, But also just going into college and seeing people that come from like very different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. It's, I I don't even know why the Lord was like, Amiya is going to be born into this family because I have been so blessed in having such a good foundation for life. Like that the Lord has been working in my life since I was four years old. And Mm -hmm. even before that, really, because surely he was softening my heart. Like, that's crazy. And he's been working in the lives of my family for this whole time. And I, I got to grow up in this church that was really cool and really loves the Lord and Mm. really, I think puts focus on a lot of great things. And I've learned how to study the Bible from a really young age. Like I, I just don't get it. I'm like, I don't understand why you gave these things to me, but Mm. it's so cool. And he has set me up really well to be able to help other people and Mm. to be a resource for people. Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up, too, is that um, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Like, I struggle with being ungrateful for my situation, though our situations are different and how we were raised. But um, the main thing is I've learned so much, like, valuable things from how I was raised. And you've learned so many valuable things. And they're extremely different. Mm -hmm. But the Lord's asking us, can you use those things that you learn to benefit other people? And can you use the resources that I've given you that you were raised with to benefit other people? And that has helped me be grateful for how I was raised. Because I struggled with that for a while, just like being pissed off at God, like, um, and at myself and, you know, the world around me, just Mm -hmm. why couldn't this be different? Why can't I be in this situation where I can, because then I wouldn't struggle with these certain things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, learning to be like, Lord... Like I have, if I'm going to blame anyone, I know I should blame you and I know blaming you wouldn't make sense. And so rather I need to be grateful for you and grateful for what you've done in my life. And, um, I've definitely seen you, um, be ungrateful, but I've definitely seen you Mm -hmm. uh, learn how to be more grateful for your situation instead of, um, feeling guilty that you don't have a bad life. Like me or you know, someone else um classic like i wish i, yeah. I did more hard drugs yeah. right? testimony was cool yeah i wish i started smoking six only i did methamphetamine in yep. school yep. which actually shout out to amani's episode which is i believe episode number three if you want to listen to it because she kind of talks about a similar thing of like being ungrateful and wanting to have a better testimony just because she was raised in a good family but then she was like but not being grateful for the way that the Lord has blessed you is like a slap in the face to him. And mm. I was like, damn, that's a great point. So I'm saying that to make that point for myself mm. and other people who probably feel like that. So what do you feel that the Lord has uh, taught you throughout your life? Um, some like key things that you can teach other people and help other people with. Um, so one being anxiety for sure. Yeah. Which we've already talked about a little bit. I think, um, another thing is knowing that I don't have to just be fake all the time. Like I, if I don't want to go to home church tonight, 
I don't have to. And I'm not like being forced into that because I need to check, check the list or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I, I really wish that more people understood just how much freedom we're given mm-hmm. and that Christ says that, well, oh my God, what does he say? It is for freedom that I have set you free. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I believe Paul says that. Yeah, Galatians 5.1. Yeah, but, you know, it's the word of God. So anyway, the point still stands. But I think that's one thing that I hope that I can pass on to people is that we are not trapped into following God. Mm. He gives us freedom, but it's also, like, freedom to have, like, the best life ever mm. and love people and be loved and be fulfilled in the way you never can anywhere else. I feel like he's given me a lot of emotional stability, even though I'm really very bad at processing my emotions as we have already covered. Um, he's, that's also just, I think like helpful with other people who need like a more logical perspective, Mm -hmm. even though I tend to be on the extreme of that, I think it's still helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we've uh, talked about this in Florida, actually. I remember this conversation of encouraging you, um, because the fact that you were raised with um, all men, besides mm-hmm. your mom, of course, um, puts you in a unique situation where you are walking into an apartment with all these girls that are hyper-emotional and are very quick to process their emotions. And it's a, it's a really cool thing. It's a blessing. You know, that's why we have different genders. That's why the Lord mm-hmm. created male and female. Um, but you are able to help them uh, function through these emotions because... I'm very emotional for a guy. <clears throat> I feel like me and you are opposite. Yeah. Um, and so it's very helpful for me to help out <clears throat> these guys that I used to live with and guys I'm working with now to process their emotions and to like understand what's going on because they're just very functional. Just do this, do that, do mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm able to slow down and be like, hey, let's think about this. Like, how do you feel actually? Um, and you're able to do the kind of opposite with these girls. And instead of thinking of it as... Um, a problem and like it sucks that like you're not super emotional like the average girl mm-hmm. um i view it as a, a blessing and I, I hope that you can too one day yeah um and i know you have but i know it's also hard for you yeah but it, it is a really cool thing to um, be unique and the lord can use you in that situation um as you know we like to end on a one certain question here um, give us your best Christian bar. I listened to an episode and somebody rapped on it, so what you episode? Also do that. Oh, it was Shane's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, my best Christian bar. I'm sorry, I was trying really hard to think about a joke about how Christians don't drink. So why would there be a Christian bar? But I couldn't, <laughs> and that's also just not true. Uh, that's what I have to say. Next question, please. That was a good one. I like. Thank um, you. What has God saved you from? So one time someone on this podcast said myself, and every time you ask that question, I think about that answer because I'm like, that is literally the best answer, Um, but it doesn't really go that deep. So I guess in addition to that, um, I think that I would have no friends Hmm. because I would just want to be self-sufficient. And also no one would want to be my friend because I would be like a self-righteous asshole. I would have no good relationships with pretty much anyone, and I would be a depressed, anxious loner. Mm. So I'm really grateful that that is not the case, and the Lord has allowed my heart to be softened Mm. and to just be a person that is not enslaved by those things. 
Beautiful. Well, Mia, like I said yesterday, I'm grateful to have a relationship with you. I'm grateful doing this podcast with you. And I'm grateful that you're a molar, even though <laughs> uh, sometimes being a brother to Cal has mm. to be miserable. It has to be by necessity. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, uh, thank you for sharing your testimony, Calvin. Thank you for um, being um, present. Present. At the very least, I was present. Uh, you're here, and everyone loves you. You're the cutest. Aw, thank you. A co-host is very necessary. I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Thanks. But, uh, yeah, just as you're going through those things, I, I kept thinking, I'm like, I'm like, oh, wait, this is what we teach about. Like, literally, like, as you're saying these things, I'm like, oh, we teach about that. And it's just like, that's funny. it's just really cool to, like, see. It's like, it lines up what the Bible says about yeah. how God works. It's like, that's how he's working in your life, and that's yeah. how he's worked in your life. Um, and it's like, anytime, like, you zoom out your perspective, it's just, like, astonishing to see yeah. how much you've grown in, like, a year, in the last three years, in the yeah. last five years. And it's like, you know, hopefully, you got a long life ahead of you. And it's like, uh... Just like how beautiful would that be if you, you know if you continue to follow the Lord? It's like how much more will He transform you into this uh, awesome person who who does things for Him? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think He'll really honor that, and I think He has honored that in the steps you've taken. So yeah, I don't know. It's very very cool hearing about that. Thanks, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm.